Welcome to Respect Life Radio. My name is Deacon Jeff Bennett with Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com. Today, our guest is Father Brian Thomas Beckett Milady. Father entered the Dominican Order in 1966 and was ordained in 1972. He has a doctorate in sacred theology from the Angelicum University in Rome, was a professor there for six years. He's the author of eight plus books and numerous articles, and he currently has a weekly radio radio show on EWTN Network. And today we're going to talk about a new book he has out, The Roots of Christian Civilization, The First Principles of a Just and Ordered Society. And Father, thanks for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Uh, I, I did laugh at the at the secondary title, um, because I think if you asked anybody today, a just and ordered society is exactly what we don't have. Is that correct? Well, yes. I mean, we have potential for it in the law. But whether anybody implements those parts of the law that we're bringing about, that's another issue. <laughs> well, that's, you know, when you're in kind of a post-Christian world and uh, it does, well, you know, an ordered, an ordered society world, makes sense. Yeah, an ordered society makes sense. And that's something in our world today, not much does make sense. That's true. And it's even a post-philosophical world in the sense yeah. of Western philosophy. Because well, uh, the Greeks wrote a lot about this too, so you know, I mean, it's, it's important. Yeah. yeah. Well, it is. It is important, and I and I, you know, I think the book is is quite timely because it does remind us, you know, we live with, as you mentioned in the book, three human societies: family, state, and church. And if they're not all influenced by God, then we really are in some trouble. And that's kind of what we see today, isn't it? Yes, and uh, the family and the state, of course, are influenced by God primarily through the natural law and reason. But then the church has divine law to supplement that and to make it clearer. And so since a society is an ordinance of reason, if you're not being reasonable, you don't have a society of either caste or a tyranny. So it's important to emphasize that there's a higher law, and that's the one thing that people deny today. And that higher law can be the natural law or it can be the divine law, but it's still a higher law, and we don't make it up as we go along. And unfortunately, in the 18th century and onward, people began to get the idea that uh, law was merely uh, expediency, for what we were doing now. I remember Rousseau, who was the origin of the French Revolution, really, he said the thinking man is a depraved animal. So basically, you're supposed to project your emotional needs, and that's supposed to be what society is about. And there's no uh, real uh, origin at all. And of course, in our context, we have the Constitution. But as you know, there are legislators in our country who say that we sh- we should just do away with the Constitution because it was written two hundred years ago. <laughs> so, well, and and, and uh, we do, we, and we are a people that like to car- compartmentalize, right? We like to put God where He fits uh, when it's convenient in our lives, but where not, we try to do it ourselves. And every time we try to do it ourselves. 
we make the Israelites look smart. Well, it's true. And and also, uh, even the Israelites, as you know, they received the commandments. But while they were receiving the commandments on the top of the mountain, they were disobeying the first and most important one at the bottom of the mountain. <laughs> Just they went against idolatry, you know. So we have this uh, old tradition that goes back thousands of years about how actually to try to ensure a just society. And what it certainly is not is just a sum total of democratically determined self-interest. Because justice is not about the self. It's defined as giving rights to another. You can't have justice if you're just by yourself. It always has to do with recognizing the rights and duties that you have toward other people. And so uh, we've, again, had much reflection from many, many different thinkers and many, many different worldviews about what is involved in this. Well, and you talk about the social and economic orders, right? Can't be separated from morality, which is exactly what we do. And then we get politicians, and I don't know if Kennedy was the first one, whoever, but you know, saying I'm Catholic, but I'm not going to impose my basically truth and morals on society. I'm going to let whatever happen, happen. And to say we're Catholic and then ignore morals and not defend them, it really doesn't make any sense, does it? No, not really. And uh, again, in, in our particular context, we can't use things like papal teaching in the scripture to do it because we have a separation of church and state. But we can certainly use the natural law because there's nothing in uh, the natural law that's contradicted by scripture or t- papal teaching. And in fact, papal teaching is an attempt to implement the natural law and then some. So uh, we have to recognize that there is, again, the. Uh, a reasonable order to ourselves in our body and the souls and our relationships to each other that have to be respected if we're to have any kind of peace or um, the common good. Well, you know, reading your... uh, Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. What are you going to say, Father? Well, the common good is a, a whole idea that's totally forgotten today. And the common good means both the end and the order to attain the end in a given society. For example, the end of the family is, of course, domestic peace and uh, feeding the family and that kind of thing. The end of the state is justice in the uh, social context. And the end of the church is basically the kingdom of heaven. But all those things are mutually exclusive. They build on each other. Well, and you talk about in the book, right, all things de- desire their final unity in God. Whether, whether we know it or not, whether we acknowledge it or not, that's where unity takes place, right? The Holy Spirit is, that's when there's unity, we know the Holy Spirit's involved. And when we don't have that unity, right, we have the opposite, which is disunity. And that's and that's what we see throughout, not really even within the church today. There's a lot of disunity because of people doing their individual agendas as opposed to 
really putting their faith and trust in the Lord and letting him guide and be the moral compass. Yes, and part of the problem is that we talk about the sense of the faithful uh, being the source of belief in a certain sense, but that includes everybody, not just people who are living today. It includes the whole history of the church, all the Christians that have always believed in the proper understanding of the Christian Catholic religion. And uh, you can't surrender the past for the sake of the presence or change the past. You know, if there were some sacraments a hundred years ago, there can't be two now. And if the Pope was the fallible head of the church in 1870 on earth, he's supposed to be that now. But in order for him to do that, he has to mean to make proclamations which are in union with the apostles because everything ultimately stands objectively for the faith of the apostles regarding the church and regarding the state once you surrender the natural law and i think that began in world war one frankly uh because uh, unrestricted warfare all these things there's a climate in europe where they wanted to jettison all the old morality. And um, I look at World War II as just a continuation of World War I and then some. But once you sacrifice the common good, and that means either the purpose of your society is evil or the means by which you attain it is evil, then you lead your country on a short route to chaos. In fact, uh, the famous line in The Man for All Seasons is when statesmen forsake their private conscience for the sake of their public duty, they leave their country on a short route to chaos. Well, and that's exactly where we feel like we're are t- we are today, right? When you, you know, morality has been abandoned. Uh, we have, you know, really the, the religion of of you know our social order where people can do whatever they want moral relativism and so we see that that destruction i mean it really just feels like anarchy at some time at some point uh because of the chaos that we see ensuing and and that chaos really leads to this despair this anger this hatred all these things that we supposedly the people that promote it supposedly don't want but that's where they exactly find themselves because they have separated themselves from the Lord, from his guidance, from morality, and there's nothing left but despair after that, right? Yes, well, for the most part. I mean, there, as Bishop Sheehan used to say, grace always has a beachhead, because there's no such thing as absolute evil or absolute corruption. Right. But whatever remains can help you. But if uh, the society basically has uh, unjust evil laws or they're not enforced or they're enforced. Remember Plato distinguished um, a monarchy from a tyranny, not by the fact that it was governed by one person, uh, but by the fact that the monarch instituted himself instead of the people. And the same is true with an oligarch and the same is true with a democracy. When everybody's in the democracy, it's just not for themselves and their own interests. 
and they have no interest in the needs of the other, then that can become a tyranny too. Mm-hmm. Uh, C.S. Lewis had a long section because you know, of screw tape proposes a toast in the screw tape letters where he said, we have to do this. Uh, the idea is you basically form a tyranny by doing away with anyone who this, this, uh, um, desires excellence. And uh, he had a, there was a tyrant who was in Sicily, in Syracuse, and he was asked how he kept the people in line. And he took the questioner to this field of grain and just used a stick and knocked off all the heads of the girl above the others. And he said, democracy, Satan in this book, says democracy has to be the word by which we lead into the nose, which means not just a system of government, that which it is, but a system of being, so that everything is just the same as everything else. And uh, people can even be attacked for what he called, C.S. Lewis called being like folks. <laughs> That's what they're supposed to be. They're not supposed to subscribe to any kind of uh, excellence, either morally or in any other sense. So you, you basically reduce all people to their common denominator. And in an extreme form, you can see it in us today where we're even trying to do it with sexual difference that everybody's exactly the same. Well, we're not all the same. (laughs) I think, was it Aristotle said one of the great, you know, inequalities is to try to make unequal things equal? (laughs) Well, it sounds like something you'd say, yes. (laughs) Yeah. And, and, you know, know, just thought you mentioned Fulton Sheen. You know, when I read your book, I'm thinking, I read a book that, you know, also gave this type of insight. And I don't know if you've ever read Fulton Sheen's Freedom Under God, but he talks a lot about, you know, the the structure of, you know, capitalism, communism, liberty, and he goes into the pros and cons of everything and really dignity of work. And he goes into a lot of different aspects that uh, you cover very much in depth that I think it's really helpful to understand. Uh, And you talk about Catholic social teaching and, you know, we have people that like to pick and choose which social teachings they like, as opposed to taking them in their entirety. That's true. That's very true. And we also have people who mistakenly interpret some of our social teachings to be the same. Um, When it comes to an issue like the death penalty, whether you're for or not, that's that's a matter to me. But you can't be against it because you think it's murder in every case. Because scripture doesn't say so. Right. The term, I shall not kill, means um, according to the other passages in the Bible, it says, I shall not take the life of the just and the innocent. And, and when the catechism, strangely enough, our present Pope wants to do away with it completely, which is fine, that's his opinion. But they kept the definition in of murder which is the uh, unjust taking of an innocent human life, they didn't change that. Mm-hmm. So it's contradictory, you know, because the word innocent is an extremely important word there. <laughs> and it's what objectively determines the difference between, uh, for example, a soldier killing in war or a policeman killing at the line of duty. Or it would, it would somewhat apply to the death penalty, too. Um, and people don't even realize that that makes the difference between the 
that and and actually murder. So well, it's almost like the linchpin, isn't it? I mean, if you take innocent yeah. out, then then you know you're you're just really changing the the definition. Well, that's true, and uh, unfortunately, in many of our ever since the '60s, our moral theology has become quite difficult because people want to make conscience of feeling instead of a system of reasoning. And so they'll say, well, let your conscience be your guide, by which they mean let your feelings be your guide. So much right. so that there was a book written in the late 70s by the Catholic Theological Society of America on sexual ethics by several different authors. And this book actually justified bestiality. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's... Uh, it's incredible stuff, and yet it, it's more and more and more uh, uh, spreading to greater and greater areas, which, of course, Paul VI predicted would do with contraception, if it, contraception were approved. Now, the Church hasn't approved contraception as such, but many, many priests and moral teachers and colleges have pretty much told people that they should make up their own mind. And once the dike is breached, uh, people don't want it to be a situation of ethics or anything, but that's what it becomes. So, and, 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 well, and civilization dies. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and the church is supposed to be right. The light in the dark world. And, and the church is struggling right now too, because we have, Moral, as you mentioned, moral theologians, and we have the Vatican making contradictory remarks on all kinds yeah. of moral issues because it, it it feels like the church has fallen into the trap of feelings as opposed to truth and what love really means. It, you know, whether it's the ta attack on tradition that people embrace or whatever it might be, it, it really. In a dark time like this, we need the church to be strong, and it's unfortunately the church really isn't strong when it comes to these these issues and making these definitive statements. Right, go and sin no more has now become go walk with them and hope they come out. They you know they turn they make the right decision. Right, and who determines what the right decision is? Exactly, um, that's very unclear. Um, so, it, it, probably the biggest issue is our total lack of clarity. One interesting thing I saw was when Pope Benedict visited England, many people who didn't agree with him in England, and especially about morals, still respected him because they said, well, at least he stands for something. I'm like, our church. <laughs> you, can do, you can believe anything in being an Anglican. And uh, that's what's led to their fact that their churches are empty. And you think we get the message, but it seems the more Protestants empty their churches by this sort of syncretism and moral relativism, the more certain people in the hierarchy think they have to go along with it. <laughs> yeah. Very weird stuff. Yeah, and that's why I think books like this are so important, because it does root us in who we are, what, how we're supposed to behave, you know, about putting God first. And you even, you know, you talk about you know, the spiritual nature of man is the source of his dignity and also his freedom. Maybe you can talk about that. Oh, yes. Well, of course, 
freedom is determined by truth because the fact that we can think allows us to see very different alternatives to conduct and to choose among them. Uh, many people have played off truth against love today, and they're both necessary. Um, in morals, the um, intellect is like the eyes, and the will is like the feet. So suppose I should decide a given kind of conduct is correct, but I never do it. Well, I'm not going to obviously form my soul that way. But suppose I decide, well, I don't care what I'm doing. The important thing is to do something. And so I just take off blinded. Well, I can fall over a cliff and die. <laughs> so you, you have to try to do justice to all the different sides of the mystery. And, the, and also authority. Authority has almost no respect whatsoever anymore. And part of the reason is because authority does it stand for objective truth? It stands for who's got the power, most powerful will, you know? It's a battle of wills instead of thinking. Well, and we see that, see that everywhere. And, you know, it really, you know, when we don't identify ourselves as children of God, right, we identify ourselves based on our sexuality, based on our political party, right? We, we identify right. ourselves to worldly things and not God, then we're never going to be able to get on that right track until we realize the innate dignity we've been given and who our creator is and have him as our foundation. Otherwise, we're just waiting for the house of cards to collapse, aren't we? Yes, and uh, Homo sapiens has been replaced with something else, you know, man the wise. Well, uh, we live in a very anti-intellectual age. I mean, there are people with college degrees who can't even read and write, and let alone have read a book. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you get a person with a BA who hasn't even read a book. I mean, you can't figure out what's going on. You know? Well, that's what, why they created of... artificial intelligence, right? So that they can tell people what's going on, and they not only can get a degree, right. but never have to think. Right. Well, and just pull the plug. <laughs> so, it's artificial. It, it's, an, it's another thing I find difficult with the present society. It doesn't matter what it is. It's so deeply impersonal. Everything is a thoroughly nasty business corporation. And uh, you hardly even get to talk to your superiors because all they do is text you. You don't even, they don't even call you on the phone anymore. There's almost no personal contact whatsoever. And, and, pe well, and people just can't live that way. Well, and you talk in the book about us being social animals, right? We need that social interaction. That, that's critical to who we are because that's how we were created. And so when we take that out, suck that out like a vacuum, like you're just saying, it, it's no wonder we have high suicide rates, depression, all because we're not interacting in a personal way. It's a very impersonal exactly. way. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why I think, again, this book is is so helpful because it does remind us of of all this thing, uh, of everything that's going on in our world and how it all is. It's like a bowl of spaghetti. It's all touching. We can't say, you know, we're God's going to be part of my family. But in terms of the, the state, he can't have any part in it. 
Um, you mentioned natural law, right? When we when we throw natural law out the window, then we don't know what anything's for, and everybody gets to decide what anything's for, right? Right. Uh, for many years uh, in the 80s, the primary source for Catholic moral education in Catholic schools, according to the NCEA, was Lawrence Kohlberg and his six stages of human development, that he was an atheist Jew who taught at Harvard, and he had this theory where uh, various reasons why you do things morally, and the last one, the last one was uh, pure altruism. It doesn't fulfill anything about you at all. You just do it because it's good, and no one can really define what the good is. Well, he thought there were only a few people in history who had arrived at this. Uh, Jesus, Mohammed, you know, the founders of the great religions. But he used to test his theories out in high school and have the kids vote democratically on what the right answer was, morally. Toward the late 80s, the secret is that people don't want to talk about is the Colbert despair of anybody ever finding the answer. And so he just drove his car in the Atlantic Ocean to commit suicide. And he was one of the principal sources for, you know, in all these education departments and Catholic colleges and schools for teaching uh, ethics to teenagers. And then he committed suicide because there are no ethical answers for him. I mean, it's incredible nonsense, but it's what happened. Well, it's amazing what we as humans can convince ourselves of and, and buy into the newest fad when really everything we need to know is in Scripture, right? It's in the tradition of the church. We don't need to recreate a wobbly wheel. We have the perfect wheel for us that helps lead and guide us. And that's really what this book helps us to understand in terms of the social order and God is our foundation. And so... How can people get this book and keep track of what you're doing, Father? Well, the book is available from EWTN and also on Amazon. And uh, they can keep track of what I'm doing through EWTN, because I still have my radio show on there every week, and mostly just preaching and teaching. Respect Life Radio is produced by Catholic Charities in the Archdiocese of Denver. And remember, you can listen to all of our shows at respectliferadio.com.